which way it actually ends up going. Sometimes that's how it goes. I might say a bit of one, one thing and then totally change direction and go and say something else. But that's okay. Let's, let, let me just go first to Luke chapter 1. Now, I'm, I'm actually still continuing on, really, on our the, the kind of the main, main thing I've been talking about, which is the revelation that we're redeemed from the curse and that God wants us walking in the blessing. Is that true? Is, 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 is this an important truth? Did, did God say to, did, God, did um, in Galatians, we, we haven't read this yet, but Galatians 3, where the, the same chapter that says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Um, just a few verses earlier, does anyone remember that there's a passage in there that says that, that, that God preached the gospel to Abraham, saying, what did he say? Does anyone remember? I said go to Luke 1. Maybe we need to go to Galatians quickly. In you, all nations shall be blessed. What did, I mean, what did God originally say to, to Abraham in Genesis? He says, in Genesis chapter 12, it says, you know, when, when God called him and said, come out from your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. And he said, I will bless you. You remember that? Did he say anything? I will make your name great. Did he say... I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. Did he say Did he say anything about you will be a blessing? And we haven't even talked about that part yet. But we're, do, you remember, do you realize the blessing upon us is supposed to spread? I'm blessed, be a blessing. Isn't that what, didn't, didn't, didn't the blessing spread from Joseph into Potiphar's house? Sometimes people think that the only way to be a blessing is financially, and that's one way. That's one way. But the concept is the blessing is supposed to spread. God said, I'll bless you, you'll be a blessing. So the blessing should spread. We'll talk more about that. But actually, the more my environment becomes blessed, that should spread more and more around me. It should begin to affect the, 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 the environment around me. And you can see that in many other places in Scripture. But one of the other things God said to Abraham in Genesis 12 is um, through you, all nations shall be blessed. And do you realize that in Galatians 3, Paul, who wrote Galatians, called that the gospel? Some of you, does anyone know that? Some of you are like, I don't, I'm not too sure about that. Do we need to look at it or does anyone know that? Is anyone, anyone not too sure about that? It's, you can look at it if you want to. Galatians chapter 3. It says, he preached the gospel to Abraham, saying, in you all nations shall be blessed. Does anyone understand that phrase is in there? So I'm just getting a couple of blank looks. I, just, I don't want to keep teaching. If, if, if there's one or two people who have no idea what I'm talking about, that's why I'm just trying to, trying to make sure everyone, everyone uh, is, is there. Because some people sometimes maybe know a verse, other people don't. But you can look at it in Galatians 3. Is it true that in that statement, in you all nations shall be blessed, is the gospel? So what is the gospel? People say, well, the gospel is the message, receive Jesus so that you can go to heaven. Is that all the gospel is? I mean, that can certainly be part of it. But, but sometimes people just think that's what the gospel is. And they, they, they see the gospel in a limited sense. And in fact, people have taken a lot away from the gospel. Do you realize that the book of Galatians was written for the very purpose that there was people trying to preach another gospel? It's all right. Don't bother me. <laughs> Karen probably prefers on this end, so that's all right. <laughs> Don't bother me. You get used to distractions when you preach. Do you realize the book of Galatians was written for the purpose of, of establishing what the true gospel is? Isn't it at the Galatians chapter 1, he talks about people who come and preach another gospel. Should we look at this quickly? I think let's look at this. One is, I told you I'm going to go in a few different directions. This is not one of the ones I plan to go on, but we'll go it in anyway. <laughs> Let me just look at this very quickly. Galatians chapter 1. 
I don't think I've actually covered this in this course yet, but this is important. Galatians chapter 1. Let me get it up on mine and find which verse it is. Uh, verse 6. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. You see that? What does pervert mean? Twist. So he wrote the book of Galatians for the purpose of establishing what the true gospel is. I mean, sometimes we read, we pull verses out. And we isolate verses or a section without looking at the whole context. That statement in Galatians 3, I think it's verse 8, where he says, he preached the gospel to Abraham, saying, in you shall all nations be blessed, is not a random statement that he's just thrown in because he didn't know what better to say in his book. <laughs> this is two chapters after talking about there were people going around preaching a different gospel. And, and it had crept into the Galatian church. And so Galatians was one of Paul's earliest books. It, it, he wrote as, you know, probably very soon after Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15 is when they all went to Jerusalem to decide, do we need to live by works or by faith? Do, do, do Gentile Christians need to get circumcised? And they had all the discussions about that. Do you remember that in Acts 15? Because there were people who were preaching. They were coming behind Paul. He preached one thing and they came behind Paul and they preached something else and said, no, well, I know you've received Jesus now, but actually this is now what you need to do. So a different message came in, creating confusion. Have we been in a place of con confusion ever since as the body of Christ? To a large degree, yes. You see, the enemy tries to bring in confusion and misdefine things and say, well, no, actually, the gospel's this. It's not that, it's that. I've, I've known people to quote this verse when they're anti-certain things, that God's truths that God's trying to preach in, because their version of the gospel is has become twisted that they now think their version of the gospel is the true gospel. So when the true gospel comes along, they call the true gospel the, the different gospel. And they use this verse. Well, you know, we, we mustn't go with a different gospel. You must if the one you're believing is not the correct one. Make sure your definition of the gospel is correct. And your understanding of the gospel is correct. Before you run around pointing out, well, that's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. Many people think a different gospel is anything different to what I think. Well, what if you're the one who's wrong? We've got to check it out by the word. Listen, we make sure that we actually, what we actually believe about the gospel is the truth of, the, of what God actually said it is. Because we've, we've, we've had 2,000 years of Christianity with the devil throwing in messages of deception that have fiddled with the truth. This is why we end up with so many church, different churches believing different things. People say, oh, it's all right that they all believe different things. Well, hold on a second, is it? Because are all those different things right? Or have we drifted off some things? I'm not talking about opinions in philosophy. If, in, if opinions of philosophy, everyone can have their own opinion. I don't care. You know, I, because, well, everyone's got a right to their own opinion. Yes, when it comes to anything else, when it comes to the message of the gospel and what God said, no. We don't have the right to fiddle with it. You either go with what he said or you, you don't. So we've got, to, we've got to understand it's not what I think the gospel is. What did he actually say the gospel is? Because if we've got a misdefinition of the gospel, then we, everything's out of place. Isn't it? Well, one of the things he, he says here, read verse 6. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. There are some who trouble you and want to pervert, twist, the gospel of Christ. 
Do you see that phrase? Does he call it the gospel of Jesus or does he call it the gospel of Christ? Why? What did I say last week? The gospel of the message of the anointed one. Isn't that what they preached? In Acts chapter 1, it says they, he, he went and preached Christ to them. We read that as he went and preached Jesus to them. But actually, when it says he went and preached Christ, it means they went and preached the Messiah, the anointed one. That was a very central message because that's the message Jesus started all the way in Galilee. Acts 10, he says, this is what has been preached all the way from Galilee. What did Jesus preach all the way from Galilee? Luke 4, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Sorry, that's Acts 10. What Jesus preached was Luke 4. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. Okay, I'm going to come back to that phrase in just a moment. I'm going to get back to that. So, so the message of the anointed one and his anointing, are, is it true that that same anointing came upon us? Was it always God's intention that every member of the body of Christ walk in the same anointing that Jesus walked in? Are we not called Christians? You go, you go read up all dictionaries and say, what is a Christian? And they'll say, well, it means to be like Jesus. You see how they ch subtly change the word? Where's Jesus in the word Christian? I'm not against Jesus yet, but I want you to think. Christian does not mean like Jesus. That's because people think the word Christ is Jesus' last name. Christian means like the anointed one who was Jesus. But don't add the extra word in. Christian means basically anointed like he was anointed, operating in the same anointing he is. So people say, well, a Christian means we love people like Jesus loved people. So you see how, how they changed it? Immediately take away from the anointing. What do you think the message the enemy's been trying to destroy since the day Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jesus? And the fact that Acts chapter 2 says the Spirit of the Lord upon you all now. Enemies attack that more than anything else. He does not want the power of the anointing of God moving on this earth. Because it'll destroy everything. He's everything. Every, he's, the enemy can spend decades working a plan in someone's life. And, and the anointing of God can come in and wipe it out in a moment. Destroy it. That's what we talked a bit about destroying. I'm going to say something about that more in a minute. So the, the gospel is the message of the anointed one. Then we got to wonder what was what's that anointing there for? What did it come for? Well, let's. I'm jumping around a little bit, so let me finish here in Acts, and then I'm going to come back to that thought. Yeah. So, in, in, sorry, in Galatians, Galatians one, he warned about preaching another gospel. He said, make sure you got the right gospel. So, the book of Galatians is all about establishing what the gospel actually is. And he starts off, he calls it the gospel of Christ, the gospel of the anointed one. But then that's chapter one. So by chapter three, when he comes into Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, he's not just giving you a nice idea. This book is about defining what the gospel is. That's one of the reasons why the truth, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, is a central truth. Because it, 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 we find it in the book where he's defining the very core of the gospel. Puts this truth in. But then it's 3, verse 8, I think it is. Is it verse 8 or verse 7? It's verse, yeah, it's verse 8, the one I was quoting. When he says, and the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham. Now, do you see that this suddenly makes a bit more sense here? Because this is two chapters later where he's, he is defining what actually is the gospel. And he's clarifying to them. Someone says, well, you know, you'll preach such and such and such and such. And that's not the gospel. Hold on. Is it? What actually is the gospel? Well, according to this, this statement in you, talking to Abraham, all the nations shall be blessed. Well, there's two parts of that. One, it was going to become available to all nations, not just, not, not just Abraham and his seed. Yeah. You know, he was telling Abraham that blessing is going to do what? What is the word I used just now? Abraham is going to come upon you. 
and it's going to spread. What did God does God ever give the blessing just because he intends it just to stay in one place? Did he put it on Abraham because he only intended it to stay on Abraham? What did he say to Abraham? In you, all nations shall be blessed. In other words, the blessing that comes upon you, Abraham, is going to begin to spread. Blessing should spread. It's supposed to. Why? Because why should the blessing spread? Because it was always God's plan that his blessing was everywhere. It was never his plan that the curse was anywhere. Okay? So in that statement, in you, all nations shall be blessed. So there's the idea of all nations. Yeah? And we know that now. It's for all nations. But actually, is that what he emphasizes in Galatians 2? Does he spend the rest of the chapter talking about how this is for all nations? Or does he spend a large amount of the verses talking about the other part that's revealed? In the all nations shall be blessed. That's actually what he talks about in the surrounding verses, isn't it? He emphasizes the blessing that was upon Abraham, the blessing that was given to Abraham. And he said, this blessing coming upon all of the Gentiles in Christ is the gospel. So is this core Christianity or is this sideline Christianity? This is core Christianity, isn't it? Have we been led to believe that this is not core Christianity? This, this, oh, you mustn't overemphasize this stuff. Have we been led to believe? Now, don't spend too much time talking about that. This, no, we, will, we have every right to talk about core Christianity. And then other people want to tell us, well, actually, you need to talk about what we're talking about. Don't talk too much about blessing. God blessing you. Oh, that blessing stuff. Oh, you're just blessing. Oh, you're just the blessing, blessing, blessing. You're very selfish. You just want blessing all the time. Excuse me? That's core Christianity. Core Christianity was the intention that God wanted his blessing, us walking in his blessing. But there's something even in a lot of our minds that still can't see that. And we think there's almost something wrong with being blessed. Because the enemy so fed that, in, fed that up into people's lives and mindsets. He's built that in. He's worked hard. He's worked really hard at destroying the message of the anointing. And he's worked really hard at making us think it's almost wrong to be blessed in church. We can use the words, we'll bless you. But when it actually shows up in someone's life and they get blessed, oh, there's something wrong with that. They're overemphasizing something. This is what God, this called Christianity. It's what he intended. How does that blessing show up? Fruitfulness, production, whatever you put your hand to is blessed, yes. But the moment those things start showing up in people's life, we act like it's wrong. Don't we? How's that wrong if that's called Christianity? I'm going to bless you. Oh, well, you know, the blessing's just a theory, but when it actually shows up, now it's wrong. <laughs> no. We're supposed to have the blessing of God showing up on us. Amen? Now, now go to Galatians, uh, Luke. <laughs> Luke 1. Luke 4, actually. So is the blessing and being blessed central to, to, to God's intentions. Now, in order to, to really walk in the blessing, you had to be free from the curse. The two work ones, they're opposites, yeah? The curse was so functional in people's lives, it's been causing havoc in their bodies, sickness, finances, families. As we've seen it, it shows up in many areas, yeah? One cause, many symptoms. How many of you know, like, for example, I'm not speaking this over anybody, but if a person had a physical illness, let's say that, let's, for example, I'm pointing things, if somebody had something like a cancer, how many of you know the cancer can show up with different symptoms around the body? Maybe, maybe, maybe causes nose, please. Maybe causes headaches. Maybe, I'm just, I don't know if those are symptoms. I'm just, I'm just throwing them out, yeah? Or maybe causes, you know, aches in the toes. I don't know what. I'm not saying these are symptoms. I'm trying to give you illustrations. But, but actually, sometimes you go to the doctor, and the doctor says, actually, the root cause is there's a cancer there. And it's causing symptoms all over the body. Now, are this, you could treat the symptoms. You could take a painkiller and treat the symptoms. And, and yet, tomorrow morning, the, the symptoms come back because they're being caused by a root cause. Do you realize many illnesses cause symptoms in different parts of the body? Are the symptoms the illness? Well, they, 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 they show there's a problem. This is what the curse is like. 
when the curse shows up in different areas of a person's life, it might hit their family, might hit their finances, might hit their body. Those are the symptoms. And we have, as a body of Christ, have been treating the symptoms a lot of the time, believing God for healing, believing God for freedom in my family. Nothing wrong with that. You can put your faith on isolated areas of your life. But the, if you put your faith on and, and build your, strong, your, your faith strong in the word on one area, like you know, God moving in my, in, in my finances, the curse just pops up in another area, doesn't it? Because actually the root problem has got to be what's got to be dealt with, the curse. So we talked about this a bit last week, but I'm repeating this because this is really important. When you begin to realize the gospel dealt with the, the root cause, broke the curse, set me free from the curse. Now build the word on that and walk in that and make that central truth, central speaking over your life. Christ has redeemed me from the curse. And realize I'm not just speaking one of the truths of the gospel. I'm speaking a core truth of the gospel when I say that. And because Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law, I'm healed. Because Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law, I'm blessed in my finances. Because Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law, the enemy can't just move on and move in on my home and attack things. So the freedom from the curse is really the, uh, the, the core thing. Does, does everyone see that? But the same thing with the blessing. The blessing is also the central core solution that releases a lot of other things. Just like the curse releases a lot of the negative, the blessing is the solution that releases a lot of the other areas. So walking around, beginning to build confidence, the fact that I'm blessed. Thank you, Lord. Because the blessing of Abraham has come upon me, I thank you that blessing is showing up in different areas of my life and it's spreading. Okay? Now, <clears throat> we should be in Luke 4 now. Luke 4 verse... Um, 16, well, uh, okay, Jesus, he comes to Nazareth, he's handed the book, verse 17 of Isaiah, and then he opens the book, and then verse 18, this is what he reads, yeah? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me. Now, this is why last week I spoke a bit about the anointing, was it last week or the week before? And the anointing destroys the curse, because there is a connection between the Spirit of the Lord and the anointing that actually destroys the manifestation of the curse. And don't worry if this is not fully clear yet, we'll, we'll get this clearer. But that anointing came upon Jesus for the purpose of destroying the curse. But now notice what's the first thing he says, because this will go back to what I was saying just now. He's anointed me to preach, preach what? The gospel to, to the whole world, to everybody. Is the gospel for everybody? Why, if the gospel is for everybody, why in this verse does he say to preach the gospel to the poor? Why doesn't he just say preach the gospel to everyone? Okay. Yeah, this, that's the question. You, you mentioned the blessing. What is the gospel? What did he say in, 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 in Galatians? In you, all nations shall be blessed. Do you realize people are poor because there is a curse of poverty working? Yeah? And the gospel, this is, this is why I just talked about making sure our definition of the gospel is correct. Do you realize everything in this list, Jesus lists problem and solution? Okay? He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Do you see that? You got the, what's the problem? Brokenhearted? Solution, heal. The next phrase. To proclaim liberty to the captives. The problem, captivity, solution, liberty. This whole this this whole thing is problem, solution, problem, solution. Okay? What's the next one? Recovery of sight. To the blind. Do you see problem? What's the problem? Blindness? What's the solution? The recovery of, of sight. To set at liberty those who are. So the oppressed is the problem. What's the solution? Bring liberty. What? They're, they're, they're in oppression. That's similar to captivity, but it's just it's highlighted as a, as a, as a different one. 
everything in this list is problem and solution. What makes us think the first one isn't? Why does he say gospel to the poor? Because this set of verses, this passage is emphasizing the solution to the problem. What is the solution to poverty? The gospel message that breaks the power of that of poverty in a person's life and brings blessing to them. Problem solution. So what is the solution then? Well, problem solution. Let's go back through this. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. So you've got problem solution, yeah? Now, if at the end of it, the brokenhearted are still brokenhearted, then, have they, then has they, have they received that solution? Did he say to proclaim to the brokenhearted that they must stay brokenhearted? No. The whole point of this list is you expect they come out of their problem. Because the Spirit of the Lord has touched their lives and the gospel has come into their lives. So you expect the brokenhearted to be healed of that brokenheartedness. What about the captives? To proclaim liberty, to come and proclaim liberty to the captives, but then the moment they receive Jesus, tell them, no, you've got to stay captive still. He didn't say to proclaim to the captives, you must stay captive. <laughs> Is it? What about the rest of the list? Did he say recovery of sight to the blind? To tell the blind, you must stay blind. Because we got a really good message for you. You must stay blind today. The blind's going to look at you like, I could have gone to the hospital and be told that. Why don't I have to come to be church to be told that? What's the, what's the, well, that's a powerful message you guys preach down at that church. Blind people must stay blind. Thank you. Oppressed people must stay oppressed. Wow, what a powerful message. Isn't that a, how it reflects the power of the anointing of God to keep you in your condition? No. Our point is to God brings you out of, what, of that condition. How many, of you, how many of you know it's God's will, God's desire, God's plan, God's intention to bring you out of whatever's oppressing and keeping you captive? Whether it's in your body or finances, any area. The, the message is not God wants you to stay that way. The message is God's got the solution. And everybody here become, begin to, we, we, that's why we're putting our faith on, how many of you are putting your faith on coming out of some things and getting some changes, saying it's time for change? I've been a Christian 20 years and some things I've just tolerated in my life. I'm not, this isn't a testimony. I'm just saying this. But, you know, so, so how many of you say, you know what? I've been a Christian for many, many years and things that I've just tolerated and I've stayed in that condition. It's time we get out of these things. It's time we get the solution working. The power of the anointing, the power of the blessing is going to bring us out of some things. Is that the gospel? The power of the gospel, the gospel message is God brings you out of some things and then brings you into some better things. You see how so often a false gospel is being preached. That's why all these messages about it's not God's will to heal you. It's not. This is not just another version of Christianity. That's lies from the pit of hell. That is infiltrated into the church, telling people you've got to stay in that condition. And we tolerate that. I certainly don't. As well as if it's well, that's just the way they see Christianity, and this is how we. No, it's not just the way they see Christianity. That's another gospel. Okay, got to let go of that deception and lies and begin to really realize what the gospel is. God's plan and intention is for people to come out of and be set free from some things. Because God wants his people free. That's why he, Christ redeemed me from the curse of the Lord. Not so that I could stay under the curse and have the curse showing up in every area of my life thinking, well, maybe it's the will of the Lord. No, it ain't the will of the Lord. A curse was never the will of the Lord. It came upon man and was brought onto this planet. It got access into this planet through sin. And, but that, that whole thing got dealt with by what Jesus did. So all the symptoms of it, because he dealt with the root problem, all the symptoms of it, we don't have to tolerate either. That's why I recognize it. That's the curse working. I'm free from that. I'm not tolerating that. Okay? <clears throat> So each of these, each of these is problem and solution. So 
by bringing the solution, you expect that the person in the problem comes out of the condition. So the, the, the brokenhearted shouldn't be brokenhearted anymore. The captive, the blind, the oppressed shouldn't be captive, blind, and oppressed anymore, yeah? So what about the first one? Preach the gospel to the poor. Would you expect them to still be poor? This is where it goes with quieter. This is where people... This whole list is problem and solution. So when that when that blessing comes in and the person, the gospel brings the change into someone's life, they come out of poverty and suddenly they're blessed. Now we want to attack them and say it's wrong for them to be blessed. <laughs> no, it's not. You would expect when this has touched the life of a person who's been gripped by poverty that there's going to be change. Now, when there's change, just like God told Israel, God told Israel in Deuteronomy, he says, I'm taking you into a wonderful land. He said, but when you're in the land, don't forget who brought you into the land. He didn't say it's wrong you're in the land enjoying the blessing. He said, just don't forget, don't abandon the Lord God once all that blessing begins to show up. This is what we should teach. We don't teach people don't be blessed. We should be telling them when you are blessed, don't forget the Lord your God. That's the message he gave them. I'm bringing you into a wonderful land. But when that blessing shows up and you've got nice houses and nice things, don't forget the Lord your God. Yeah? He didn't say it's wrong to have those things. But the enemy wants to build this into us as if it's a wrong thing. It's God's desire for, 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 for us to walk in these things. It's not the wrong message. This is the core gospel. Okay? Now we're in Luke 4. Let's go to Luke 1. Try and build a little bit on some things I said last week and then also cover some other things. We'll see which we, but like I said, we get to cover today. So don't feel guilty or wrong or bad for actually thinking, I want the blessing of God in my life. It's not a wrong thing. God gave it to you. He fully wants you to walk in it. And that blessing can show up in all different areas, not just financial. You realize this. Many, many areas. But we're supposed to be walking in this. And it's not wrong when it does show up. Now, Luke 1, let me just find this quickly, where the angel spoke to Mary. Uh, verse 34. Luke 1, verse 34. This is when the angel came to Mary to say she was going to have a child, yeah? I just want to show you something here. I want to make a bit of a connection to help connect some more of the dots from, from some things. Verse 34, then Mary said to the angel, how can this be? Actually, sorry, a little bit earlier. Um, verse 29, I want to go to where the angel was, spoke to her. Uh, but when she saw him, so Mary has this vision of an angel, or an angel appears to her. Yeah, the angel Gabriel. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. What, 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 did, the, what did the angel say? Verse 28. What are you blessed? Blessed. Are these just nice, comforting words? No. Notice the connection between the Lord is with you and blessed. We'll come back to that at a later point. Actually, the blessing includes the presence of God. It's in Leviticus 26. God says, when, you, when, I, I will, when, when he's talking to them about being blessed, he says, I'll build my tabernacle and my presence will be with you. The presence of God is part of the blessing. And you see, it says that about Joseph, the Lord was with him and he blessed him. So actually, this is part of, we'll get to this part of it. But walking in, experiencing, having the presence of God upon us is part of the blessing of God. And it goes with the blessing. When you're walking in that blessing, you should experience the presence of God. Okay. But anyway, that's a sad thought for now. It's an important thought, but a sad thought from what I'm saying. So the angel says to her, do not be afraid. Verse 30. Uh, <coughs> do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Was that my coffee? Yeah. That one was mine. Let me have the coffee first and then the water. <clears throat> Verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. 
and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Right. Who said this to Mary? Okay. Let's just think this through a little bit step by step. Who? Okay. Let's look at who directly said this to Mary. Who, who's bringing the news? An angel, yeah? Now, godly angels, when they bring a message, do they just bring a message that they want to bring? How do godly angels work? Do you realize the word angel means messenger? It's the primary purpose of an angel. Now, the, the angels do other things. They're involved in worship. They're involved in the armies of the Lord, the hosts of heaven. I, always, I love, it's one of those teachings that I never get to because I used to teach on angels in the, in the Bible schools and I've got like, you know, 20 lessons, 25 lessons on it. I just never get to teach it. But the primary role, and that's why we call them angels, is messengers. So when this angel brings this message, is this angel just delivering its own opinion? So what? whose words are these? Do you realize when in ancient in ancient cultures, when they sent a messenger, you know, every time the king wanted to get a message to someone, he didn't go himself. Let's say the king of kingdom A wanted to communicate with the king of kingdom B. Now, there were times he might visit, do a big state visit, but they didn't have email and text in those days. <laughs> they, they had horses <laughs> and riders. Now, he, the king, the King A, wanted to communicate with King B. One of the main methods they used was sending messengers. Yes. And when the messenger arrived and delivered the message, the king didn't think, "Well, the messenger of the king has just said to me such and such." No, he thought the other king has just said to me such and such and such and such. Just because the messenger is the mouthpiece doesn't mean that the message belongs to the messenger. See what I'm saying? This is the message from the king. So it's the king said such and such. So this messenger angel is delivering what God is saying on the matter. So actually, this is the word of God to Mary. So I just uh, took me a while to get that. I just want the clarity of this. I know we knew all knew that, but I wanted to think it through. So when the angel says, you will conceive in your room and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called son of the highest and the Lord will give him, him to the throne of David. This is God's word. Or we would say the word. Do you realize there's, there's not really any major difference between the spoken word and the written word? Except that they're in two different forms. Sometimes people say, well, you know, it's more powerful when God speaks it. But when it's the written word, well, that's just Paul's opinion. Jesus didn't see it that way. Do you realize Jesus said a number of times, it is written. He treated the written scripture with the same authority as, as, as what God spoke. In fact, the word scripture means written texts. So when, when Paul says to Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, he's talking about the written texts. So whether it's written or coming directly out of God's mouth, it is the word of God. That's why we say the word, that's God speaking to me. That is what God is saying to my life. It's written right there. It has the same power and authority as if it came out of his mouth directly to me right now. Just because it's in written form. Because his word is eternal. It never changes. Amen. So here we've got the angel speaking the word of the Lord. But this is what I want you to see. Verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I do not know a man? <laughs> now, let me make a quick distinction here. Mary, I don't believe Mary is doubting here. Do you realize when the angel came to Zacharias and said, your wife's going to have a child, and Zacharias, I, I can't remember exactly what he said. I think his similar the question was similar, actually. How can this be? In Zacharias's case, he got struck dumb for nine months. And actually, Zacharias was in doubt. See, not all questions are doubt. Some questions, but, but just make sure you're not asking the doubt ones. It's not right. Mary was, her heart was right. She believed the word of the Lord. She was, she was just saying, how's this going to come to pass? 
It, she, was, she was basically asking for a bit more information. It was curiosity, not doubt. But with, with, with Zacharias, he doubted it. He didn't believe that could happen. So it's not wrong to ask a few questions as long as you are, I believe this, Lord, can, I, can you give me a bit more information? He may or may not give you some more information. He's a good God. I think sometimes he's quite happy to. Sometimes he'll just say, not this time, just watch what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah? So Mary's not doubting, but she's, she, she's asking for a little bit of information. She's a bit curious here. Do you realize it's very easy for us, 2,000 years on, to, oh, she, she's going to be a virgin birth. She should have known that. Do you realize this has never been heard before, apart from a prophecy in that was higher. There's never been a virgin birth before. Many of the things in the Bible were firsts. People say, well, you know, if, if I've seen someone healed before, I'll be able to believe it better. Do you realize when God came to Noah and said there's going to be a flood over the whole earth, Noah didn't have, look, oh, yeah, well, they were, one happened 20 years ago. So we've got that. Well, we've got one happened 30 years. Oh, this is the 20th flood we've had. So I can believe what God's saying. You've never heard of this before. This was a first. When Moses, God told Moses, stretch your rod over the, over the Red Sea, Moses didn't think, well, this is the 10th time this has happened. So, well, yes, I can believe God will do that. But that was a first. He, never, he had no concept of a, of a, of a of, he'd, he'd never seen it before. He had no concept of a river, of an ocean splitting or a river splitting. Just because God comes to you with a first doesn't mean he can't do it. It doesn't mean he doesn't know how to do it. So when, when, when the angel said to Mary, you're going to have a child, she thought to herself, well, I don't know a man. That's the only way she knew how to have a child. So she wasn't doubting. She was asking for a bit more information. But how many of you know the power of God can do things beyond the, what the natural can do? What did the angel say to, say to Mary? Now put this together. Connect these dots. She had, What did she already have? Okay, she had all of this, but what did what did what is it that I mentioned a few minutes ago that she already had? Faith in the word. She had the word of God and she believed the word. So that's true. We had faith in the word. Yes? Now notice this. She's got the word, she's got faith in the word. But she's saying, How's this gonna be? Verse 35. The angel answered and said to her. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. What's the angel saying here? Beyond just the specific details to her. What is the angel revealing to Mary? The Holy Spirit is going to bring to pass the word. You see that? Isn't that what he said? She's got the word of God. Who's going to bring this to pass? This is why the spirit and the word should always be working together. Is, do we see this anywhere else in scripture? Genesis chapter 1. The Holy Spirit is hovering over the water. Is there any creating going on? Until what happens? The word is spoken. What happens? The spirit of God kicks in and begins to, it begins to, 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 to bring that word to pass. The spirit of God. Now, the spirit of God and the word of God work together. This is why I, I want to connect some dots of some of the things I preached last week. The anointing destroys the curse. What's going on there? Is this a separate thing going on? No, this is when you've got Galatians 3. That is the word. You put your faith in the word and the Holy Spirit works with that word to bring it to pass in your life. This is why it's just as important to put your faith in the word as it is to put your faith in what the Holy Spirit's doing. The Holy Spirit is bringing to pass that word in my life. He is working to bring to pass that scripture. The anointing of God... It, it, it's so uh, 
it's so important that we put our faith in both of these two working together. Does it, does it make sense? Do you see what I'm saying? This? That's why the, that anointing of God is given to bring to pass the word of God in our lives. To bring to pass what God is saying. This is why Paul said that my faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, some, some people today might go to Paul and say, well, no, no, Paul, your faith's supposed to be in the word of God. Yes, it's supposed to be in both. Faith in what God said and faith in God's power to bring to pass what he said. Some people say, well, I know, I know Christ has redeemed me from the law, the curse of the law, but you don't understand, you know, I don't understand how this is going to happen and what, you know, it, it, it just feels like that curse is working so hard. There is, the anointing works with that truth as you stand on it. So have as much confidence and con faith in the fact that the word is bringing this to pass in my life. Sorry, that the Holy Spirit is bringing this to pass in my life. Yes, as you speak it, I have confidence that the Holy Spirit is anointing my words. God, God has given us an extra boost, basically. Actually, I, God makes this as easy as he really can. I mean, he gives us his grace. He didn't say go do it by yourself. He gives us his grace. <laughs> and he gives us his anointing, his spirit. He's trying to get us to the place where these things are working in our life. Do you see that? He didn't say try to do it all yourself. Many people are just, they, they're trying to confess the word, trying to confess the word, trying to confess the word. But in their minds, they, they're thinking that same question like Mary. I just don't see how this can come to pass. And they're almost trying to fight that battle against that condition themselves. Speak the word, speak the word. Have enough confidence to believe the anointing of God is working with what I'm saying. As I get the word of God on my mouth, I believe the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit is, is also working, manifesting in that situation. His power is bringing this to pass. So I, I cooperate my faith with the word and with the spirit in that situation. See, these are the tools to get the job done. Does that make sense? I wanted you to see that in Mary's life. How's that word going to come to pass in my, in my, in my body, the, Mary says to the angel? I'll tell you how the Holy Spirit is going to move and bring that word to pass. That, that's the anointing. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and he's going to bring to pass that word in your life. So should I have confidence? Should my faith be in what God said? But should my faith also be in the fact that I believe the power of the Holy Spirit is working in my body, bringing that word to pass? Is that a wrong thing to say? No, it's not a wrong thing. That's, a, that's actually quite a good thing to say because you're stirring up your faith in some ways. Father, I thank you. The power of the Holy Spirit is working in my body. I thank you that the anointing is working in my body, bringing to pass that truth that Christ is to redeem me from the curse of the law. I actually have no idea what time it is. I'm so busy preaching away up here. Oh, it's not too bad. We've got ages. Does, it, does this help connect the dots a little bit, what I've just said? And I think it's good to see it in Mary there. She had the word. How's that word going to come to pass? The Holy Spirit's going to come and his anointing is going to work to bring that word to pass in your life. The power of the Holy Spirit. There is power released from the Holy Spirit in my life to, to fulfill those promises. Have as much confidence in that power as you do in the word. That's why Paul said in Corinthians that your faith should not just be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Believe in the power of God to do what I need done. Believe that when I step out and when I act on the word, when I step out to act on the word, I believe that there is power that manifests to bring that word to pass. I believe that the power of God will manifest and do what needs to be done. Many people are saying, well, I'm going to step out on the word, but... I just want to check the ground solid first. I'm not really sure. I believe the word. I believe the word, but I'm not really sure, you know, because they don't have enough confidence to believe power will manifest to bring to pass that word as they step out on it. How do you like to have been Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Being <laughs> I wouldn't. That's not the response that was going on in my mind, but okay. <laughs> 
being being dragged off toward that 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 um fire the, then it was the fiery furnace, wasn't it? And it was the Daniel was the lion's den. I mean, if you know, they didn't have six months to build their faith up. I need, oh, hold on, hold on. Was it Nebuchadnezzar? Hold on, Nebuchadnezzar. Just give me six months. I need to go and listen to some faith CDs. <laughs> And then we'll have this conversation again. How many of you know they needed God to manifest there and then? This was a, I don't know how long this discussion took from when they said we ain't bowing to when they hit the furnace. But you talk, this could have been a matter of three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> they needed power to back up and manifest the stand they had taken. We will not compromise. This kind of Christianity, a lot of people are not walking it. They needed that power to manifest today, right now, as I step out on the word. People say, oh, ooh. Ooh, you're talking about some, some bigger stuff there, Owen. I mean, I'm like, I can believe the power of God will manifest in my body and things will happen. But, but you want to expect the power of God will, 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 will back up the word of God? This is one of the reasons a lot of people are afraid to step out. Because in their minds, oh, I believe the word. Step out. Yeah, but what if it doesn't work? <laughs> they don't have the confidence in the power to manifest. Yeah, they lack confidence that the power will manifest to back up what God has said. Therefore, they always hold a little bit in reserve in case it doesn't work. Can you imagine Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? We will not bow. And Shadrach nudges him and says, "Look, if he drags us off, just just apologize." Okay, he spoke a little bit loud there, because <laughs> we've taken a bit of a bold stand here. That's what a lot of modern Christians would be. You know what? They had confidence God will manifest. They did. My God will come through for me. But we lack a lot of confidence that the power of the Holy Spirit will manifest and will come to bring the word of God to pass. One of the big reasons a lot of Christians don't step out on things. Because what they think is, I'm going to stay in the boat. And when the power manifests to solidify the water, I'll step out. <laughs> well, the discussion we were having. That's a completely different thing, but earlier on. They want the path to be laid out clearly for them. Why? What do they lack? Do you realize a lot of word faith Christians are like this? Why? They've been taught to have faith in the word. They've not been taught to have faith in the power manifesting to bring the word to pass. I believe when I step out, God will show up. And immediately the mind talks about, well, yeah, but I know that was nice for Daniel, but you know, doesn't always happen like that. There you go. Why, why do we keep talking ourselves out? Because we don't really have a lot of confidence in the power of God manifesting when I need it to. Well, you know, it might take six months. I'm not saying, okay, you, obviously there's a degree where you're led by the Spirit in some things, okay? But, you know, when, when David showed up to the battlefield, David and Goliath, where in that passage does it say, David saw Goliath, and then he said to Saul, you guys just uh, stay here for a few months, hiding in your tents. I'm going to go build my faith up. <laughs> I need to go fast and pray. Yeah? No, he doesn't say that. What does he say? I'll go fight him. He's already in a position ready to fight. And he, he fully expected God to show up when he stepped out. There's no evidence this took two, two weeks. No evidence even took two hours. He was walking in a place where he expected God to bring to pass his word in my life that no enemy, no, no enemy will, will, will beat me. Isn't, is this the kind of example we're, we're given in Scripture? Why does God give us example, 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 example of God manifesting and coming through for people and then train us to think differently, train us to expect it to take six months? Is that the word? What, the, what is the example the word gives? 
God shows up, the power shows up and manifests to bring to pass the word. So should that be what our expectancy is in? So I believe and expect. Sorry, did I? Uh, Yes. 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 Brilliant. Brilliant. And I was leading toward that as well because um, that's that's why when David stepped out to face Goliath, David didn't have to go and have a prayer time first. Now. Is that because David didn't believe in prayer? No, it's because he was already walking in that place. He, it was his life was walking in a consistent place. He had already been. How many of you remember when Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration? There was a the boy that was having the fits. The 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 the, the um, yeah, we'd probably call them epileptic fits, but it, 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 the spirit was manifesting. He's having convulsing on the ground. And the disciples had tried to get him this boy free and couldn't. Now, did the disciples have the authority to cast that spirit out? Yes, because if you look at the timeline, this was after Jesus had said to them, go cast out demons. They had the, they had, that authority had already been given to them. That anointing had already come upon their lives, yet they, nothing's showing up. Was there a problem with the anointing? Was there a problem with the command? Jesus said, go cast demons out. Is that what they should have questioned? Should they have started a new theology in, under Jesus' ministry there and split Jesus' ministry into two denominations? One that says demons don't always get cast out, even though Jesus said, should that have happened right then? No. They had the command. Jesus said, cast out demons. They had the anointing. They had the authority given to him. Why wasn't it working? Why couldn't they get? In, in fact, the disciples had to come and ask Jesus, why is it not working? Because they had already experienced it working. Remember when they came and said, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Now suddenly it's not working here. Is the problem with the word? No. Is the problem with the spirit? Should they start a new doctrine saying the word doesn't always work? No. They Now, here's the interesting thing. Jesus shortly after said about what people love to quote, this kind does not come out by praying, but by praying fasting. So people say, well, you see some demons you have to pray and fast out. You've got to go fast for three weeks. Then why didn't Jesus? If that demon required fasting to come out, how come Jesus didn't go fast at that point? He was already living in it. That was the, the problem wasn't that the demon needed to be fasted out. The problem was that the praying and fasting was needed in their own lives to get them walking in some things. You don't fast a demon out. You command a demon out. It comes out in Jesus' name. But in order for that command to come to pass, there needs to be an anointing walk working on your life. And they had allowed some things to dry up. They weren't walking in a place where that manifested so their commands and their powers were not having any effect. If you want the power of the Holy Spirit to manifest, if you want the things to, when you speak the word to manifest, it's not just about trying to work an isolated situation and get a result here. It's about walking in a place consistently. So when... You step out on the word and you, then you expect the power of the Holy Spirit to manifest because you're already in that place. It's like people, people love to talk about, well, John G. Lake and how he handled things. And, you know, John G. Lake was able to, you know, they injected viruses into him and the virus just died. So thank God that's going to happen for all of us. What they neglect is John G. Lake was walking in a place in his walk with God. Now, can that happen to all of us? Yes. But should we be, is it just going to happen when we're not walking in that kind of place? And a lot of the times the power is not manifesting. A lot of the times the power is not manifesting to bring the, the word to pass in someone's life. Is the problem with the word? Is the problem with the power? No. The, the solution is in what the Bible has, shows us where Jesus said, walk in that place. 
So he's given his anointing to destroy the curse. He's given his word. Christ has redeemed you from the curse. The, 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 the curse. Yes, curse of the law. Amen. <clears throat> and these two work together. One of the things is we've got to have the confidence that, that that power will manifest to bring the word of God to pass. But the other thing, which is why a lot of times people are not seeing the fullness of the world, is they're not walking. I'm not saying this is the only reason for everybody. How many of you know sometimes when you highlight one reason, there might be a completely different reason for another person. But actually, if we want these things working the way we see them in Scripture, which was pretty quick, when Jesus gave Peter the command, come, step out on the water, Jesus, Peter didn't say, oh, thank you, I've got your word now. I've recorded that on an MP3. I'm going to go sit on the beach and listen to that word, come, 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 500 times, and listen to it. Oh, build my faith. Now, I don't have a problem with doing that. This is a good thing to do, to listen to the word. But did Peter need to build his faith out? Or, did, or, 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 when, he, or when he stepped out, was the power to bring it to pass? The Bible shows the manifestation happening quickly and many times in Scripture. Someone says, well, it took Abraham 25 years. No, it didn't. Get that doctrine out your head. Didn't take Abraham and Sarah 25 years to have a child. It took them 24 years to believe what God said. One year before they had the, that child, Sarah was still laughing at the word of the Lord. One year. Remember when the angel said, you, you'll have a baby? She, <laughs> yeah, right. She, they, they, it took them 24 years to get into faith. It took them three months for her to become pregnant when, once they both got into, into faith. Didn't take them 24 years to have a child for, for, for God to bring his word to pass. It took three months. Why do I say three months? Well, nine months would be the period of pregnancy. But, so minimum, maximum of three months. I, it might have even been 11 months total, nine months of pregnancy and two months. Because the, 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 the thing was, by this time next year, you'll have a child. Didn't take God 25 years to bring to pass the instruction to Abraham, I'll give you a seed. It took Abraham and Sarah 24 years, what is 20 years uh, anyway, to get into to get something to get to believe these things. When they got into that position, things actually happened quite quickly. You see that? <coughs> I haven't talked as much about the blessing and the curse yet, but but what I wanted you to begin to see is a little bit more of the Holy Spirit, his power works to bring to pass that word. And have as much faith in that power flowing to bring to pass. What, that's why I preached last week. The anointing destroys that curse. The anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit is working to bring to pass that in your life. That same anointing is working to release the blessing in your life. There's, there's anointing to bring to pass you to step into, 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 into the, the fullness of that blessing. Amen. To have confidence in the fact, Father, I thank you that the power of the Holy Spirit is working and manifesting in my life, bringing to pass the Word of God. And if we really want this flowing like it should, then obviously we want to walk in that place where these things flow. That's for another message. Though. Amen? Thirty-five of which, is that with Mary still? Is blessed is she. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Blessed is she who believes that there'll be a fulfillment of those things who were told her from the Lord. But actually, so, so, so there you see the credit is given to her believing, but a little bit earlier, we're actually showing the process. She did believe she did. She didn't question and say, Oh no, 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 I didn't, I, I'm not going to have a child. She didn't say, Angel, you don't understand. I, I, I haven't been with a man. This cannot come to pass. She didn't say that. She just wanted more information. So the angel, what he did is he gave her insight into the process, how it works. He showed her a little bit of how the word, the anointing of God comes to bring to pass what God has said. And then, then yeah, and then right afterwards, once the angel explained the process, she's like, oh, okay, be it unto me then. Be it unto me as, as you've spoken. And there was blessing in believing God because they, even that statement, blessed is she who believed, is consistent with what we saw in Galatians. They that are of faith are blessed. Amen? So yeah, she believed. But have confidence that the power of the Holy Spirit 
is bringing to pass what God has spoken in your life. I actually didn't get to everything. I had, I, like I said, I had a bit of a, a couple of things to say. I spent more time on this than I probably thought I would. But I think it's good sometimes to just camp on something a bit longer. And have the confidence. Father, as I speak the word, as I feed on your word, as I'm putting your word in my heart or in my ears, in my heart and in my mouth, I also thank you that the power of the Holy Spirit is bringing that word to pass. I thank you that the anointing of God is working in my life, bringing to pass by destroying every manifestation of the curse. Amen? And sometimes understanding the background process a little bit is good. Understand that dynamic. What's actually happening as I speak the word of God? The power of God is working to bring that to pass. Anyway, let's, 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 uh, let's close in prayer. Father, we just worship you. We thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Jesus. Hallelujah.